Welcome sentient beings from all known universes and beyond. It's time to activate your cranial downlinks and prepare to receive a raft of discussion on a cosmic ocean of science fiction and fantasy topics, interviews with local area genre devotees, and insightful prognostication by our soothsayers of science fiction, our forecasters of fantasy, and any other beings that happen to get caught in our gravity well. This is the Galactic Driftwood Podcast. Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Galactic Driftwood Podcast. I'm Bill. I'm Linda. I'm Seth. I'm Jenna. I'm Chris. And uh, we're going to kick off the show with a little more uh, discussion on uh, Wizards of the Coast and the OGL. There's been some developments since uh, our last release that we wanted to update folks on. And then um, now that we've got uh, Jenna with us uh, this episode, we're going to talk a little bit about our first session of Morkborg, which is uh, kind of um, an alternative RPG to D&D. So um, I guess I'll throw it over to Chris and Seth, I guess, to kick us off on OGL developments. Seth can kick us off. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm following this. Uh, so I think when we last left things uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, Wizards of the Coast had only issued had had only issued one response in in response to the leaked OG, new OGL. Uh, so, if anyone doesn't know what that is, it is the license that Wizards has provided for the last twenty some years that let people make third party content for uh, Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, and that's been around since three, third edition and has led to a massive growth in the RPG community and industry. Uh, it's seen the rise of new systems and companies like Paizo and Wizards, understandably, perhaps, isn't too thrilled with, with or wasn't too thrilled with creating their own competitors. So they were going to deauthorize the old OGL and make a new one that was bad for everyone and good for them. <laughs> uh, and there were some good things in the coming OGL that would have helped them like not let uh, Nazis make uh, their own supplements for D&D 5. But uh, yeah, that's... E even like giving them that ability is kind of problematic because then they could uh, they could block other people for whatever reason they wanted. Yeah, there there was some good. I, I think you're. It was mostly bad in execution or how they wanted to execute it, and their direction or their intention may have started out well-meaning to to benefit them because there are instances where you know other companies are creating content out of their likeness, so to speak. Um, and they're making a ton of money out of it, and um, they don't get a cut, period, of it. They, there's no way that they can mm -hmm. capture revenues on that. So it makes sense. They're, what they have for the original OGL is dated, doesn't really take into account new virtual tabletop games or content for things that are being signed for deals, like your 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 uh, your Prime shows like Vox Machina, anything, or, or like Critical Role. All of these things, they don't get a cut of. So their direction was, how do we how do we improve that? Um, and their execution of it, or what they thought would be the execution of it, uh, was met with some pretty harsh uh, backlash. Yeah, they went pretty hard with their the first draft of the OGL that we saw. 
uh, a, a revenue or uh, oh gosh, I, uh, aphasia again. Why can I remember the word aphasia but not the word that I'm trying to use? <laughs> <laughs> like Chris said, they wanted a cut of everyone. Or yeah, they, the, uh, they wanted a cut of they wanted the, royalties. Yeah, they wanted royalties. And supposedly they were only going to take it from the big, the seven biggest people, basically Paizo, Cobalt, yep. uh, large companies that made over seven hundred fifty thousand a year. But they also put provisions into it that said they could change it whenever they wanted. So that could become people who make fifty thousand dollars a year. So people were understandably worried. Uh, which uh, and that was where we stood two weeks ago. Uh, in the two weeks since, uh, Wizards has er, Wizards issued another response from Kyle Brink, the head of production for D&D, that was far more uh, open and honest. And at least, uh, the if he was trying to pull our legs, he he was at least doing it much more subtly. And he said that they were going that they were going to launch a new uh, playtest for the OGL, inviting openly inviting community input this time around, uh, and uh, that softened something or softened some hearts of the community. Uh, but the community uh, responded overwhelmingly during this playtest of the new OGL. And uh, or, or later on in the week, this week, uh, we got a response. Uh, I'm going to share my screen just so that you guys can see this. <clears throat> oh, sorry, Linda. Go ahead. No. <laughs> so this is the response that uh, we got. And I think it's one that we were... Uh, that will actually start to heal some of the damage because uh, they are uh, in this response. They say they are completely backing off of uh, deauthorizing the OGL, OGL 1.0 Alpha. They are putting the entire SRD 5.1, the D and D rule set. They're putting the whole thing into Creative Commons, and they've actually already done this. So, and once it's done, that's done. Uh, the S the 5e SRD is under Creative Commons and now anyone can use it OGL or no uh, hmm. so I I, I like in this response it is plain language they're not it, they do not seem to be trying to pull people's legs it's like hey we realized we screwed up in a big way this is what we're doing to fix what we did so, I mean, th there's no guarantee that at some point, another 20 years down the road, they won't think of something new with their new rule set that might might or might not be in the uh, in the in Creative Commons. But I, I think this is a good move from Wizards of the Coast mm -hmm. to yeah. regain community trust. It's, yeah, it's it certainly sounds like they're making the effort this time. Some of those, you know, they, they say they, you know, this is kind of the survey and the feedback that they got back from 15,000 people. And you would have thought that before, you know, they could have drafted some options in there and polled users before kind of drafting something. 
uh, because it's clear where they completely missed the mark here when you have like over 80, uh, uh, between 80 and 90% of the people that disagreed with a large chunk of what they put out there. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, so this is only part of what has kind of turned the community on its ear. Uh, along with this leak, a lot of, or quite a few uh, Wizards of the Coast employees who worked on the D&D team came forward and were leaking uh, information basically on what the executives thought about people in the community. And the leaks were verified at least to the as best as YouTube commenters can verify on a leak. But I mean, some of these people have industry connections, so I don't know why you'd why they wouldn't be able to verify mm -hmm. employment of these people. Uh, but they came out at, and ta were talking about how the executives at Wizards of the Coast and Hasbro viewed uh, their customers. And it was the, they basically uh, like viewed the customers as standing in between wizards and their rightful money. Hmm. Sounds like the execs aren't really from like uh you know, the community itself, like these execs are just mm -hmm. there to figure out how to generate money and, and everything like that. And that's kind of their job, but they're in no way connected to uh, the actual users of, uh, you know, the content and everything that exists in that D&D world. Like they weren't, maybe they didn't grow up even playing it or anything like that. Because other, if they had, you, they'd have a closer connection and they'd be making decisions based off of what does right by everybody, not how do we get a cut of you know, our royalties for the content that's being made out there and purchased by a large group of people. Mm -hmm. One of the, one of the executives that they brought on to D and D and I can't remember his name now. I sh Cause you talking about this just reminded me, but mm -hmm. uh, he, he famously is a uh, CEO that's come from Zynga and other online uh, game makers. Mm -hmm. And he's never played a day of D&D &D in his life. He doesn't think that he needs to. He thinks he gets the D&D &D community just because of his past experiences with, uh, you know, check my notes, Farmville. Oh. <laughs> so you're, yeah, so what he gets is that Wizards of the Coast uh, hasn't modeled their, their stuff correctly to truly cash in on, right. on everybody else. That's the only thing that he understands. And, and I, I guess that's a huge disconnect is that community from Farmville is nothing like the yeah. community um, and, and the other tabletop players that are out there. That's not, it's not the same not in the any same. way, shape, and, or form. And the executives at Wizards of the Coast have said that they want to see the kind of recurrent spending that you see in games like, uh, in video games like Farmville. Yeah. And they, they want should, that, yeah, they, they want the mic. My argument here then would be if they want that, they should leave everything that D&D was and their, um, their OGL 1.0 as is and come up with an entirely new, you know, edition or whatever. Because what's the new one they're working on? D&D 1? Yeah, 1 D&D. Yeah, so 1 D&D should be where they start that. And if you want to use anything in 1 D&D... That is where they should start that model. That's where they should start everything. And then they can have all their revenues or royalties they want, and they'll see where the demand is. 
Well, right. unfortunately, they kind of they want <laughs> they want to have their cake and eat it too because one D and D isn't so much a, a completely new rule set. It's one that is uh, just a tweaking of the right, and, and they should just they should just come out with an entirely new rule set, a new product, uh, you know, born out of what was D and D, and actually build something that's worth you know people putting the money and not tweaking it and then trying to cash back in the last twenty or thirty years of royalties if they missed mm-hmm. out. Yeah, so uh, it I, I think what their plan was because they wanted to be. It seems kind of clear that they wanted to shut down some of the other VTTs mm-hmm. uh, and make their like because one of the things they had a real issue with was showing the animation for a magic missile, which we know their platform is gonna do. So they they were coming kind of kind of coming for a tailspire a little bit right there, which is another virtual tabletop. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they're. Tailspire was system agnostic, so I don't know if they could have even done anything. But with their new system, it's really flashy. It looks really good from the previews we've seen so far and would be a perfect vehicle for selling microtransactions, which they want everyone using that one so that they can get the microtransactions. And more than that, they're talking about uh, the current prices for subscriptions on D&D Beyond are at uh, $3 a month for a normal tier and $6 a month for the master tier, which is what lets you share out the content you bought. Uh, They want, they were envisioning prices for the top tier closer to $30 a month. Which is that's pretty substantial that yeah that's a like what dungeon master (laughs) right i I think that would come with more more perks too like that's how you would get like a monthly content drop Mm -hmm. of material adventures and whatnot so i think i think it would be it it wouldn't be just the access you get right now at $30. I think they would be adding to that to make it feel like you're getting it. But that's still a hefty price. Yeah, yeah. Pretty, pretty substantial. And depending on what features they lock behind that, that $30 level, that could be a problem, especially if there are other VTTs on the market. Yeah. yeah. So, but this latest move... Uh, they're just like, okay, we're abandoning anything we were trying to do with the VTTs. You guys didn't like that. Uh, no, we're just, we are going back to the way things were before and making it better for you guys. <laughs> Please forgive us and come back. Yeah. Well, and I wonder how many people uh, left uh, D&D Beyond as Quite- a result. Uh, so, somewhere uh, they lost 40,000 subscribers in oh, one wow. day. Oh, in one day. Really? What? Holy moly. And oh, that, wow. like, one of the leaks said that's what, said that was the metric that Wizards executives are looking at in terms of community, like, how it's gonna, the community is reacting. And that was the one metric that they were considering not the twitter outrage the bottom line yeah so when that leak came out it hit social media 
And I almost have to imagine that if you saw their subscriber count on a line graph, you could watch it going down in real time. Uh huh. So right. as we talk about, we'll shift into, you know, where people may be going, what other games are going to start picking up. But before we talk about that, I'd like to ask you all, you know, does this make up, does their, you know, backpedaling on this, does that make it right for you guys? Do you feel they made the right decision? Are people going to start coming back? Can you forgive them? Me? Eh, probably. <laughs> I guess it depends on, you know, what their next steps are, right? As Seth mentioned earlier, they're going to, you know, this should help healing. But uh, is the damage done? Are people just going to start looking for other opportunities going forward? So for me, I'm kind of maybe let it play out a little bit longer, I guess. I mean, I think the damage is done for a significant may- I can't say how significant a portion of the community, but from the feedback I'm seeing, people are happy, but still really wary of Dungeons and Dragons. And in this two week period, the third party publishers came out king. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cobalt Press now has a ton of hype for their new system that's coming out. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pathfinder sold out, sold out two. One or two print runs of their core rule book from people coming over and buying it after they announced their new uh, ORC, their answer to the OGL. Uh, And that's still happening. Uh, So lots of people have invested in other systems and are looking forward to other systems. And I don't, I think D&D managed to shatter its. If it holds on to its number one spot, it's going to be a slimmer thing than it used to be. Hmm. Uh, for me personally, I think that this is a good enough move that I can go back to like buying stuff from Wizards of the Coast. Because, I mean, like you boycott something to a, Make a change. company when they are doing something wrong. And yep, if you're right. not willing then to like show them that they did something right... Then what was the what you're you just have empty anger then, and I still really enjoy I enjoy the five E rule set. I think it's simple. I think it's it allows for good flexibility in both play and character creation, and is something that's easy enough for new players to understand and experienced players to really get their teeth into it. Mm-hmm. So I'm still going to be running campaigns in I'm got two campaigns that I'm currently in the planning stages for uh, that I'm going to be running 5e. And I like the D&D Beyond as a reference tool. I think it was like buying it was an extremely good move on Wizards part because they would have had to develop something better than that. And now like it's just a good system. Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat with um, Seth and and Chris, I think, as well, where, you know, now that they've made the changes and uh, looks to be a little bit more reasonable, I'm willing to, to give them uh, a second chance here and, and continue on with their stuff. And, and uh, you know, I'm uh, looking to see what happens with 1D&D. Um, obviously, if the subscription rate is, or the sub- subscription price is as high as, um, what Seth was mentioning earlier, that might be a, a stumbling block for me. 
heading heading into retirement, I'm not looking to take on a, a bunch of recurring <laughs> monthly expenses, right? But, Says the guy who just bought a 3D printer. <laughs> well, you well, gotta have a hobby in your right. retirement, you can't right? Buy those 3D printers if you're giving uh, Wizards of the Coast all your money through subscriptions, right? That's right. That's right. Well, yeah, how about we'll you? see how he really means it if there's any more droids that come out. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> to add to his army. Touche, touche. Got me there. <laughs> yeah. I'm yeah. I'm kind of along the lines of. I'm so suspicious. Like I'll, I'm willing to reward the good behavior, but it doesn't mean I'm going to keep my eye off of them. And I think yeah. we'll really see what they're about in the next coming months or maybe even a year. So, yeah. I mean, I'll play it with my friends, but I'll definitely be looking for alternatives to kind of see what out there and support uh, other systems that, you know, could become the new D&D. Mm -hmm. I think yeah, I the thing is, a lot of people are, you know, who are new to it, they probably don't care about all this. So we'll create new fans and generations to support Wizards of the Coast. True. And, and I mean, well, with that being said, I also bought the Pathfinder 2E book, so I'm probably going to try out some new systems too. Yeah, I bet it's going to end up being like 50-50. You know, 50% of the people probably stick around, but I bet they're going to lose at least half. Yeah, and... Uh, directly to Jenna's point, I don't think anyone's going to be trusting wizards no. mm -mm. for the foreseeable future. No, likely not. E everything they do is going to be met with a ton of suspicion now, and it's probably going to be a huge pain in the butt for them because they aren't going to be able to do anything at all without the community interpreting it in the worst possible way. You also got Sorry, I was just going to say it's going to suck for the people. Whoever leaked it, whoever cares enough about the community internally to have leaked it, they're probably going to get caught and lose their job. Well, I think there was close to a full like company revolt almost going <laughs> on. There were a yeah. lot of leakers who were sharing uh, like documents and internal communications and more the, the more than the original OGL leak. Well, I mean, top the OGL was just sent out anyway to everybody, right? Uh, it was beginning to be sent out to creators yeah. uh, to sign on a deadline. Right. While they were trying to tell us that they were just looking for community feedback. Uh -huh. So right. people are going to remember like those lies. I think like Kyle Brink, the guy who uh, did the last two official communications, was like, no, we gotta, we got to shut up with the corporate talk or they are going to eat us alive mm -hmm. uh so i think he like the way he wrote his letters did a lot more to convince me that they like they knew that they got they screwed up yeah uh like if they would have been more open with it like if we would have had those uh communications from the very beginning like as soon as that leaked if they would have uh, given us a response that was just like, okay, hold on, this is a draft. Right. A draft, and it was not meant to go out yet. We are beginning to do the community thing right now. Like, if they had done that, mm -hmm. there wouldn't have been, there would have, they probably would have gotten 400 responses on the, on, to their, uh, their survey. 
And mm-hmm. then they could have maybe done whatever they wanted, knowing that the community just like slept on it. Yeah. But but that just goes to show you that's not what they expected to have happen. They were they were thinking everybody's just gonna swallow it and move on. Yeah. <laughs> they thought well, that they were big enough to not put yep, people yep. around like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the executives did. Sure. <clears throat> right, right. Yeah. And from yeah, from what we were hearing, like there was a complete separation between the creators and the executives because all the creators uh, on the D&D team are players and dungeon masters mm-hmm. and like the people who get the game and are in the community. So yeah. like I think that was a really hard a really difficult place to put them. And they're they might lose some of their talent to Paizo going forward or Cobalt Press or some like I, I the ripples are not done being felt. Yep. All right. Well, should we uh, move on to our uh, next topic? Yeah. Speaking yes. of, speaking of systems that are arising in the shattering of the TTRPG community, Bill, why don't you tell us about Morkboard? <laughs> yeah. So uh, we talked about this a little bit on a previous episode. Um, uh, Morkborg is um, a, an RPG um, where it's sort of a... Uh, a completely dystopian world there's no redeeming qualities to the world at all and um you um get to pick from what is it jenna like maybe 15 character choices well there's only six classes to begin with um and then there was some additional ones created that you could choose from and find and that's what benito gave us yeah so our our dungeon master or I guess uh, Bearer of the Apocalypse uh, for us is our <laughs> recurring guest, uh, Garcia, who runs uh, GoRPG. So he invited us to kind of test out this new system, which is very dark, brings out like I think the worst that you can imagine in any characters for this world to see what happens that we will either aid in the apocalypse try and stall the apocalypse, which is inevitable, or um, I guess just go on our merry way to, to, to die because suicide in this world, in spite of how terrible it is, is the greatest sin and gets you into some sort of dark afterlife versus if you just die, whether it be being murdered or old age or sickness or plague, um, there it's like a Elysium fields in Greek mythology or like a heaven. So no matter what, you're out to hopefully die. It's just whether or not you're trying to take out as many people as possible with you or maybe uh, stop the suffering of others until the inevitable end comes. Yeah. And when uh, so we had our first session Friday night and um, as part of that session, as a group, you decide how many days you have until the apocalypse happens and the world ends so your character doesn't know it no your character doesn't know it but as yeah players right so you get a choice one day 30 days six months or one year and based on your choice that kind of determines how long the game is going to run and um so when we were talking to 
finito about it. We're like, well, so how long does one day last us? And I can't remember what he said. It was like, I don't know, several weeks or something like that. And so then we were thinking, well, you know, maybe six months might be several years. So we, we finally settled on 30 days and then he rolled a dice because once we just, once we pick the, the time period, then he rolls a dice to find out exactly how long it is. And it ends up, ended up being two weeks. No, so we have two <laughs> weeks to live, but our characters yes. don't know that. So, right. Um, so Janet, you want to tell them a little bit about your character? Uh, so I ended up choosing a cursed skinwalker uh, that happens to the skinwalker can change into a bear. And when you, I created my character, basically the characters are set and then you can roll for different features, uh, weaknesses, backstories, um, basic backstories that you could then fill in. And my character should have died. Um, but then because the character is not the, the main character is not the skinwalker itself. It's the soul that now cohabits with the skinwalker because when she should have died, um, trying to protect her child from a wizard cannibal child thief. Um, she was just a normal person. Uh, one of many parents who are losing their children and babies to this uh, uh, cannibal wizard who we are actually on a mission for separate reasons. Uh, her soul was pulled back by a creature who was also close to death. And it happened to be the skinwalker who is mercenary cowardly. Now that he's almost experienced death just wants to save his hide. And uh, for the most part, he's in control of his body. But uh, because he's a coward, the more intense the situation is, the more he loses control and she can somewhat take control of his body. But my peers don't know yet that there's this other soul inhabiting this body. They just think it's this burly, 6'6", kind of gross, fat, bear person who happens to be on their side, thank God. Right. Or thank the basilisk. Right. <laughs> Thank the two-headed basilisk in Gilgenbeck, who is yeah. like the the oracle of the future. Yeah. So uh so that's Jenna's character. So my my character is um a member of the Inquisition. Uh he's a lustful inquisitor. And when I say lustful, uh it's not in a sexual sense. Uh, he doesn't lust after sex. He lusts after being able to torture and mutilate other things, whether they be people or animals. He doesn't really care. Um, and in the absence of those, uh, he'll mutilate himself. In fact, uh, there's some suggestion that he may have flayed his own genitals at some point just out of boredom. So who suggested <laughs> that? Uh, it's in the. It's actually in the reference materials. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was like, Bill, whoever suggested that might not be your friend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's in the uh, in the uh, uh, the character write up. So, um, anyway, we we started our uh, our first session uh, Friday night, and uh, Benito sort of went into this big narrative description. Um, and actually, I've got a picture. So. Uh, this picture is us. We're just kind of getting there, you know, starting the the snacking stuff. Benito's getting everything organized and ready um, to kick us off. And Benito's uh, made a an amazing change to his dungeon. So 
uh let, let me put that picture back up so you can see in the ceiling there he's got some sh chandeliers that hang there that look very dungeony uh that that normally are uh, they're dimmable. He normally has them, you know, dimly lit while we're playing uh, Dungeons and Dragons. Well, for this uh, game, he changed that up. Uh, the chandeliers are still there, but he also added this LED lighting uh, uh, all around in the ceiling and then covered it with um, like, you know, what looks like cotton batting or whatever to make it look like clouds. Oh, cool. Yeah. And you can change the color of that lighting and make it pulse and streak. Uh, which like yeah, which he did to create this uh, thunder and lightning, this this heavy uh, thunderstorm feeling uh, that we were experiencing our first night there, and uh, so we kind of started off. We're all kind of shackled to the walls of this dungeon uh, for some uh, uh, crime, heretical crime we committed. Apparently, heretical theft. Heretical theft is what we're accused of, but they no one's told us what we stole. Mm -hmm. We don't really know if we really did steal anything. Uh, we've been there so long that uh, we can't really recall much of anything. We're all sort of kind of emaciated from hanging there so long. In fact, uh, he mentions at the beginning uh, we're hanging there kind of semi-conscious and a rat's running along the edge of the wall and runs up and takes a chunk out of somebody's foot. And they bring their foot down and smash the rat and this pus-covered rat guts flies everywhere and I mean, that's just how we kicked off the, the episode. So so the game mechanics, I think, are, I mean, at first, in my opinion, they're a little, you have to reread through them a couple of times to get your characters built and to understand what you're supposed to do. But once you get going into the game, it's pretty easy. And overall, the feel and the world of this game, it feels like it was a very much uh, a creation of love. Like, he's open to people contributing other things. If you're not sure how to get your character built, there's a game or the character generators that once you put in which class you want, it helps you build up your stats. Um, there's even a soundtrack that's recommended that they've created from, um, uh, you know, the people of Mark, Bo Mark Borg. So it's there's a lot of love, a lot of detail, a lot of additional lore to help spark the imagination, um, which makes it, even though it's a dark world, it's definitely feels real in its own sense. We can't hear you, Billiam. You're <laughs> muted. Sorry. Yeah. And uh, Benito did a great job uh, narrating and describing and getting us into the mood of the, the world that we're in, um, sort of laying the foundation for this world. And uh, so we're we're on this mission. We got, we got released from prison, um, provided that we can uh, track down the king's son who has been uh, kidnapped by this cannibal wizard who's uh, this really, really bad dude, apparently. And uh, so we've, we've got our marching orders and we're off uh, into the world trying to uh, find this guy. And um, we come across uh, a um, merchant we managed to buy some stuff. Um, my character purchased a uh, death mask, which was kind of fun. So basically you can put this mask on any corpse and you can see how that corpse died. Um, so one of, one of our characters um, is a, um, a bone demon, I think, right? Bone. bone he's not demon. a demon. He's a corpse that came back to life and his yeah. flesh uh, fell away. 
but he's he's it's just like, basically all bones with two monkey pets at this point. A his bone flesh, slave. Bone his flesh slave. just fell away. <laughs> yeah. Well, it rotted right. away, but the horse kept two, going. What's that? He's got two monkeys. Monkeys? Yeah, he has yeah. two monkeys that he keeps in a sack. And um, <laughs> they uh, they uh, mostly uh, don't listen to him and mock him, but uh, they will... Uh, uh, they do love him, so they will defend him if he's uh, if he's in trouble. So they they get uh, attacks, biting and slashing attacks, which is nice. Throwing poo. Yeah, if they throw poo, uh, I can't remember what oh. he gets like. Here's the, thing. the game allows for improvised weapons. All improvised weapons have a D4 damage, and uh, love it. Monkeys throw. So yeah, one of the guy. Oh, I think the bone. I think it's the bone demon. His uh, his initial weapon is a femur. <laughs> of course. So, a femur or his femur? A, a femur. femur. Okay. And, but one of the interesting uh, features of that character is that as we come across corpses, he can uh, strip out the bones and replace, you know, his own bones with those bones if he so wants. So... He's got an extra skull now in case he loses his, and uh, oh he's God. also got a bony tail he can attach if he if he wants to. But it doesn't give him an extra attack. He can either attack with the bony tail or with his femur or whatever. But he's hilarious. So one of his traits is that he laughs hysterically at the most inopportune times. So Ben, the guy that's playing the character, he's got uh, a soundboard on his phone of all these psychotic laughs that he'll play at the most inopportune times um God. so it's pretty fun we have another character uh who's uh, lord of the flies so he's basically um uh, a suit of skin that's animated by thousands of flies on the inside that buzz that's that buzz. so and gross. so he doesn't it doesn't really talk um i did throw him a, a tongue to feast on and the flies drew it inside the mouth and oh. to eat on it. And it was one of my people I was torturing. Oh, and uh, <clears throat> I don't think so, this game is for you, Linda. <laughs> so, so yeah, go ahead. The game itself, it it really is challenging in a way of its characters because there is really very little room for you to be a good character the way you roll. Like everyone rolls for a bad trait and a broken body. No. Of some some picture that is terrible. So if you're really going to commit to the character, you have to to really think about it. So it was one of the things that I said to the group after our first night, waking up the next day, I didn't commit enough to the cowardly trade because I was thinking logic. My character compared to the others had more hit points, um, more defense. Uh, it was a tank, basically. So I was playing, even though he was cowardly, I was playing him at the head of the group for the good of the group as a game. Sure. But I really needed to commit to the cowardly aspect. And then he's not going to be as good of a tank for the group, but it's yeah. part of the interesting uh, quirks of the gameplay to me. Yeah, I thought you played that pretty well across in the stream. So you showed how, you know, he was hung back, kind of scared to cross the stream. And I, I interpreted that. But that's that for as, a different reason. That wasn't oh. cowardly. It's, it's part of something my character's hiding from the group. Oh, okay. All right. So. All right. Cool. 
Yeah, that's what I thought. I thought it was something specific to the water. I didn't think it was related to the cowardly thing. And then having you hear, haven't seen your message about the cowardly aspect, I thought, oh, maybe that's why he was. But now I see that there's a little more going on there than meets the eye. So, yes. <clears throat> so yeah. it's definitely oh. fascinating. And, and I think it encourages people that hopefully what we're doing is encouraging people to look out there and see what else is there for you to check out. Well, that's that's kind of the the heart of role play, though, because in Dungeons and Dragons, at least, or any other game that I've played, everyone always wants to play be the like the paragon, the perfect character, yeah. sure. uh, no flaws at all. But uh, <laughs> playing out your flaws makes for a much more interesting character. Right. Yeah, my character has a persistent phlegm ball in the back of his throat that he's <laughs> that he's constantly trying to hack up and spit out. So I, I play that throughout the the evening, which is <laughs> the guy who sits next to me that plays Lord of the Flies. He's like, I don't know that I want to sit by Bill anymore. <laughs> yeah. Like that doesn't seem like a good that doesn't seem like a good flaw or, or a thing to role play in our in our COVID world. <laughs> I know, I know, right? Um, and then my my broken body uh, uh, thing that I rolled for, I have a recently slashed and stinking patch covered eye. Um, so that's uh, that's kind of a nice feature. Um, the stinking nice, part of it. Yes, slashed and stinking. Yeah, uh, and my character is bitter and uh, egocentric because uh, he no. uh, he was taken as a child and and turned over to the Inquisition. And they saw potential in him. So they trained him as a torturer because he was already sort of doing that. And mm. uh, so they thought, well, we'll just build on that. And um, got a recognized talent. Well, you do. <laughs> and so he, uh, he he's the best at his craft and he knows it. Um, but he hasn't been given the, the positions of authority that he thinks he deserves. He actually thinks he should be the grand inquisitor. Uh, at this oh. point so uh he's actually left his chambers in gilgenbeck and um he's out now looking for uh i would say support uh within the inquisition community to attain that role and when i say looking for support he's kidnapping other inquisitors torturing them for information and then using it to blackmail them to get them get their votes so but doesn't he realize that if he becomes the Grand Inquisitor, he won't have time for what he loves anymore? He's just going to have to spend all day in meetings. <laughs> yeah, How it goes, man. He definitely doesn't realize that. <laughs> so, yeah, he's uh, and uh, he's a pretty dark guy, and he kind of went dark in our last episode. Um, and uh, darker than you? No. Yeah. So we we encountered a. Uh, a some slavers uh bringing some folks to market and uh since i had been uh you know secured in a dungeon for quite some time i needed a, a torture fix so i was trying to negotiate for one of the the weaker slaves that i could take off and torture <laughs> and then uh one of our other characters cast a death blast and uh killed all of the slavers which was convenient so <laughs> i just I just took the keys and I told uh, Benito, the the apocalypse master there, that uh, <laughs> I was just going to take the first slave, which turned out to be a child. And uh, I thought, well, my character wouldn't give a shit. So 
He started to take him because that's the one deal I have working with his character is no children. Right. So yeah, so Jenna's character kind of spoke up and said, mm -hmm. you know, no children, kind of a thing. So I'm like, okay. So I let the child go, and it ran to its mother. And I thought, <laughs> this is the video right. saying it ran to its mother. It's like, oh, yeah. and yeah. then Bill. And then I said, I said, uh, oh, well, I said, uh, Breesy, who's my character, he's going to go over and uh, I think that's a pretty good exchange. So he uh, oh, unmanacled okay. the mother to take her to torture her. And of course, the Benito's narrating the kids bawling and uh, but the, the father, who's also manacled uh, further up, says, you know, tells her to shh because he doesn't want her to be killed, the daughter. And uh, so the daughter just kind of quietly whimpers as I drag the mother off. And of course, my character is thinking he got a, a three for one deal because now not only can he torture the mother to death, but the sounds of her screams will provide additional torture to the minds of the child and the father. So um, he's it's excited. a three for. Yeah. So uh, oh. that was even a little bit dark for Benito, I think. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Good times. It, was, it was fun to play. But yeah, that's that's kind of the thing. This is a dark world, and and uh, you get a chance to kind of explore a side of yourself that uh, you know you. We all knew was there. <laughs> Linda knew I had it in me. So, but yeah, it's pretty good. Um, here's uh, for those of you that might be interested in following it up. Here's uh, uh, what it looks like. So, engulf yourself in the pitch black apocalyptic fantasy RPG with necromancers, lost souls. And backstabbing wick heads. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, it's a lot of fun. And uh, even the first episode in, it was uh, it was pretty cool. So, uh, it's just kind of a fun world where anything goes. Um, anything you want to add to the description, Jenna? Uh, definitely, probably wouldn't recommend buying it for for like kids just uh, getting into role-playing games. If you're in a, in a group that is looking for something different, it's definitely interesting. I think it comes with a mature audience's rating. Yeah, I would think so. Yeah. 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 Very mature audience's rating. Right. And, uh, and I got a new, uh, I did uh, 3d print a new dice tower. Ooh. Um, which I think works well with this uh, particular show. This is here. I'll show. Lost That's awesome. Nice. <laughs> so I may have to take that to Benito's for the next game. But uh, yeah, he's gonna be super jealous. <laughs> yeah. So uh, so I'm getting into the 3D printing thing, um, as we uh, discussed earlier. So anyway, uh, any uh, question you guys have on Morkborg or any thoughts or no? No. No. So, I think awesome. I'm looking. I don't. I'm looking forward to trying it. All right. I've got an idea for a character. <laughs> I think I might uh, 
see if uh, for one of our next games, if uh, Linda's available, she might want to just sit and watch. I think I would. I think it'd be funny. Yeah. So, all right. Well, sounds good. Well, thank you, folks. Appreciate you tuning in. And uh, we will catch you next time. Until then, uh, have fun. Get out there, do some RPG, check out Morkborg, and let us know in the comments down below uh what you think of uh, wizards of the coast and the uh, updates they've done to the ogl and whether it's uh the whole thing's driven you away and you're not coming back or maybe now they've uh, redeemed themselves and uh, you're willing to to give them a little bit more uh more business and more trust so on that note later later Thanks for listening to this episode of the Galactic Driftwood Podcast. For more information and past episodes, please visit our website at galacticdriftwood.space or subscribe to us on YouTube. And now, please deactivate your cranial downlinks, collect your towels, and be sure to watch your step as you exit our gravity well.